Hello and welcome to Faith, Hope and the Journey, the podcast from Sheffield Methodist District. I'm Sam Roberts. And I'm Neil Harland. And in this episode, we'll be talking about Metal Methodists. Whether you are asking questions about life or spirituality, describe yourself as Christian or are actively involved in a church, we hope this podcast helps you on your journey. This is the first episode of Faith, Hope and the Journey. And we'd like to know what you think. Do you have questions about your faith? Would you like to know more about your local church or more about our podcast? Visit sheffieldmethodist.org forward slash podcast to get in touch. Today, we are joined by James Morley and Kate Ibbotson. You are very welcome with us. Would you like to introduce yourselves to our listeners? I'm James, uh, and I am a presbyter, so uh, a Methodist minister in the Methodist Church uh, in the Sheffield circuit. And I'm Kate, and I'm a Methodist, also living in Sheffield, but I am also part of the Metal Methodist community. To start off with, what led you to become part of the Methodist Church? How did your faith journey start? Uh, I'm a lifelong Methodist. I was baptised in a Methodist church and have stayed in the church ever since. So that, that is how I came to, to be a Methodist. I think similarly, so my dad is a retired Methodist minister. Uh, and so grew up with it, although I spent a lot of time going to any other church that I could think of that wasn't my dad's. So uh, being around various places and spent a lot of time trying to prove it was nonsense, uh, but ended up back in Methodist Church. You mentioned about minister and presbyter. For our listeners, what is one of those things and what do they do? So a Methodist presbyter is, I think, somebody who the church has supported or enabled to spend or focus their time on talking with others about God's love, um, working with others to, to work out what it means to be followers of Jesus and to share God's love uh, in the world today, whether it's at home, in schools, communities, uh, and be part of, of joining in with what God's, God's doing in terms of, of, of justice and, and peace and love and inclusion. Uh, and so it's kind of enabling or facilitating some of that and uh, trying to support and enable other people, I think. And what, what led you to become a minister, one of those? Um, so... Growing up with a dad who was a minister uh, was not very cool in terms of my friends. Uh, my dad is also has a, has a disability, and, and so it, it did not lead to a comfortable time at school. Kind of felt a bit a bit different. Um, I remember being about thirteen, and it was after some horrendous thing at school, like having to do rugby in February, um, and. Somebody said something to me, and I, I said a word, but I, I certainly won't repeat here. Um, and they said to me, oh, you can't say that, you can't swear, you're, you're dad's a minister, you're supposed to be a Christian. And I said, just because my dad's a <laughs> minister doesn't make me a <laughs> Christian. And that was my kind of, you know, don't want this sort of thing. And I had this, I can only describe this sinking feeling, this little sense, sense of something, someone saying inside of me, we'll see who has the last laugh. Um, and so from that point in time, I spent all of my time trying to prove that it was utter nonsense. And I remember being at university, still trying to study religion to prove it was nonsense. And we studied uh, a philosopher called Frederick Nietzsche, who said that the way we have progressed as human beings and our science and our progress 
means we don't need all this supernatural nonsense. Um, and I'm thinking, yeah, <laughs> right on, Nietzsche. Um, and uh, this statement, God is dead and we've killed him, was the, was the phrase that Nietzsche used. And we're asked by our tutor, you know, what do you think? What are your responses to that? What does that mean for the world? And I just, the room was absolutely silent, as in it was kind of, so what? And it was in that moment that I went, oh, actually, that really bothers me because I know what I'm capable of. I know what we can do to each other as human beings. And, you know, actually, I realised I needed there to be a God uh, or something bigger than me to have hope and the sense that despite all the good things we can do, there is hope that we can be better than the worst things that we do. And so that kind of led back to kind of being part of church. And I think then that, that voice from being 13 kind of started to remind me um, and kind of explore there from, you know, from there in terms of, you know, what it might be to, to share the experience that I'd had of, of, of God and of hope um, and to share that with other people. And that kind of led to, to yeah, exploring ministry. And I think similarly moments of things like the Greenbelt Festival, which is a Christian arts festival and, and places and times there where, People who I thought if they turned up at a church on Sunday morning that I went to, people would walk out the other side of the door because they've got, you know, all sorts of piercings and funky hair and just look very, very different from people who went to the church I went to. But they were clearly trying to follow Jesus. And this seemed to be a place where they were accepted. And it felt like, is that what the kingdom of God is like? And is being a minister, a presbyter, a way of trying to join in with what I believe God is doing in terms of creating communities and places where people are fully accepted and welcomed as all that they are in God in all of their diversity? That's a very long answer to that question. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Kate, you mentioned about kind of the, 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 the church has always been part of your life since you could remember. Yes. Have there been any particular important way markers or, or steps on the way? Um, becoming a member, I think, because... It's a very mystical thing, isn't it, becoming a member? And I think un unless you're approached and you understand what it is, you're sort of an outside an outsider. And do you want to try attempt to trying explain to, for our listeners what does, what, does, what does being a member so mean? It goes back to, to, to Wesley's principles of having a, almost like a membership ticket to be part of the church, which was distinctly different from, from Anglicanism. And it confirms a, a, a commitment to, to your own local church community. Uh, and what happened in my first church is it was quite a selective thing. And it's always quite difficult membership, I think, because of the way ministers rotate. So ministers aren't, unless somebody says to the minister, oh, that person's not a member, but they've been coming donkey's years and maybe they should be approached to, be, to, to join us. It, it's difficult for some ministers to keep an eye on who is and who isn't members. And when I was at Western Methodist in Rotherham, where I went all my life until I went to university, there was some people that were approached to be Sunday school teachers before they left for uni or and be members, and some that didn't for some reason. And I was one of the ones that didn't. So, so I left, went to university and then came back to Sheffield without being a member. But, and then I started going to Clifton Methodist. And... Um, went there because I'd had a, a really interesting experience. Um, my dad was an organist at Wisdom, and I generally used to go to the services that he played at. And it was an evening service dad was playing at, and the the preacher that was meant to be preaching couldn't be there, so somebody stood in at, at short notice. 
And he started talking about this chap called Dave Jennings, who was at Clifton Methodist, who ran a, a charity for abandoned children in Romania at the time. And I just knew I'd got to, I felt so strongly that I got to contact him. And that's how I went to Clifton. And it was at Clifton I was first approached to be a, a Methodist member which was well in my 20s. <laughs> and when you think about it, being baptised into the faith and then it taking that time to be approached to be a member, you know, it, it's slightly odd to think about it, but it speaks of the bureaucracy of churches <laughs> in a way. But it, when you are a member, it's a hugely significant thing because I look at my, my membership ticket and the, the word is slightly different now, but it used to be the first four letters of Wesley, so worship, evangelism, service and learning, that's what being a member we, we commit to as Methodists. And, and I think being a member was, was very was very significant. But also transferring my membership when I moved to Walk Ebenezer and, and being approached by Sally Coleman, who was our minister at the time, and, and she she wanted to bring me into the to the membership there. And I think these points are hugely significant in your life really. In, in terms of the faith journey. Yes, that, that, that real importance of the calling and, and the sense from within, but also the, the role of the community. In and the saying, belonging. Yeah. It's a joining of faith collectively to mm. be a member. And I understand why some people feel that they don't want to be, but equally, I think as a foundation of Methodism, it's mm. still significant, hugely. And so there's a sense in which it's almost a countercultural thing sometimes, these yeah. things, isn't it? Because it's such a... Um, such a sense of belonging. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, absolutely, absolutely. And I guess if you're out there, listeners, and you involved in a church or you've touched on a church, do not quite sure what this membership thing is. Do do speak to someone who's involved there, or speak to your minister if you think actually no, I want to, I want to find a public way of saying that this is hope. I, I want to be here. We're here to talk about a metal Methodist. What is the metal Methodist? I can say what I think it is and then Kate will tell you what it actually is. <laughs> um, uh, I, I guess it is a community. So, you know, kind of been talking about community and, and membership of Methodist Church, that sense of uh, being at home and, and recognising that you have a place within God's kingdom, God's family. Um, that means orders and all of our diversity, and that includes people who like um, loud alternative music and all this kind of subculture that goes with it and find that as a, you know, quite a spiritual experience and that the music and the power of it kind of speaks to you. And so a group of people supporting each other online, seeking to, yeah, support each other, asking questions um, about what it is to try and live as people of love and hope in our daily lives, whatever faith we might have or whatever our daily lives might be. And then also kind of coming together to yeah, talk about sort of music and, and sharing what, what we'd like to think of as an act of, of worship, I guess. But uh, whether it looks like uh, worship that you might see on a Sunday morning is a different question. Um, so I think, yeah, a place for people who are into heavy metal and all ranges of, of kind of alternative music uh, and the subculture that goes with it. And I guess everybody who equally kind of goes together, I think, sometimes perhaps has felt a bit on the edge or like they haven't always fitted in with the mainstream or actually proactively don't want to, um, to say that actually, you know, there's, yeah, there's, there's room with God for all of that and all of us. Do you want to talk about how it came out of your sabbatical, James? Ooh, yeah. Uh, so 
to better explain what a sabbatical is, as it's not a holiday. <laughs> Despite that episode of Rev, if you haven't seen Rev on the on the on iPlayer, where they go on retreat, apparently retreat's not a holiday either. Uh, so sabbatical is something that yeah, very kindly given the chance to spend uh, several weeks doing something different to to ministry, to kind of refresh, to engage with something that speaks to you that, that will feed your ministry or inspire you. So uh, produce, you have to produce something at the end of it to kind of demonstrate how you've, you've put that time to good use. So uh, mine was wanting to spend some time in Whitby. Um, I think when I, want, when I wanted to go, it was because I had a very profound experience at Whitby. Um, I had a, I had a mental breakdown Um in my in the previous role uh, before coming into ministry, and I'd gone to Whitby, uh, and I was stood on the cliffs at Whitby Barbie Abbey, and not feeling great at all, and just had this sense of um, kind of looking at the waves and the power of it. This cliff that had been here for millennia, and this church that would replace the church that had been there for a thousand years before it and grey skies and it kind of suited my mood and then out of nowhere this shaft of sunlight the clouds path and the shaft of sunlight comes down it wasn't quite sort of Monty Python moment but um, it was that sense of, 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 of light almost but also this sense of God in some way saying look you see all this it's been here before you it will be here after you I've, I've, I've got all of this therefore I've got you um, so that was the kind of spiritual experience where we want to go back to it be and kind of say what what is it about this place and, and the story and the history um, of it. Um, so in preparation for it, I'd read a book that talks about the Abbess Hild, who founded the Abbey, um, the monastery for men and women. Um, and she was very into what she called little villages of heaven. Um, so it, it didn't matter whether you were uh, the, the ro- local prince or princess or ruler or the you know religious person or whether you were someone like cavemen who looked after the animals they'd all spend each evening inside the abbey around a fire and they would tell stories and they would sing songs so i wanted to learn about that and so this book spoke about that and so it's great that all these people came to whitby to to learn about hild and and that christian story and then the author said and it's a real shame as well that these other people come drawn by darkness uh, because of the association with Whitby and uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula and the fantastic annual, uh, well, biannual goth weekend uh, that happens in, in Whitby. And I think in that moment I went, oh, <laughs> I quite like Hild and I quite like Dracula and, and Gothic. Is, is there a place where sort of, you know, Christianity, Christian faith and, and the Gothic, the metal, the alternative kind of come together? Because that... If not, that feels a bit uncomfortable, or I've got to kind of sacrifice one for the other. Am I the only person that feels like that? So that kind of informed my thinking during the spectacle, came back, and it was during the... We were in a second lockdown for COVID, and I'd started doing prayers online, partly being on sabbatical and needing to be accountable or speak to other people in some way because I wasn't allowed outside the house. And, And then from that, started to wonder what it might be like to have a, you know, these hilled in monasteries having a regular rhythm of prayer and set words. What might a heavy metal gothic version of that look like and sound like? So I started doing that online and uh, selfishly to, to, to be able to have some sort of 
personal prayer life and rhythm whilst on sabbatical, doing it online in the hope that other people might hold me to account by sharing it uh, together. And, and people did. And it's kind of carried on from there as, as, a, as a rhythm of trying to make sense of, of life from a, a faith perspective and music and but deal with some you know the big and difficult things that life can bring as well as the good times how have you got involved kate so james and i met not that long before covid i think we started talking about your sabbatical and it happening and that you wanted to do something maybe around music we started talking about music and I think we started talking about Iron Maiden. So we met before lockdown and then the metal complaint services just started happening online, which were an amazing opportunity to, well, just have space for a faith life in a very restricted world, you know, and and finding the metal Methodist services online and then speaking to my love of different music was was fantastic. But also, the sort of fellowship of a coming together of people from all around the country and, you know, in different parts of the world even, that were all joined together because the services were so so different and they, they spoke to so many people in, 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 in that way. So it was space for, for worship, space to listen to different music, different sort of uh, religious music, sort of metal Christian music. A, a, a prayer life and um, discussion around Bible readings. So it sounds like there's a lot in a very short space of time, but we do cover a lot of material. So, so basically, what happens when the service goes online is that there's, there's James as sort of um, like obviously uh, like chair almost of the of the proceedings, and a chat box down the side, and everybody chatting to each other and commenting, and then James draws the comments out for everybody else to to see and and comments them on too so it's a it's a a very sort of active conversation during the services so it it, it really it really works to to bring that fellowship together and if someone was listening and wanted to find out more where, where do they where do, where do they find metal methodists so if you want to kind of dip your toe in the water and just check it out um, if you go to metal methodist .org.uk, metalmethodist.org.uk. Um, there's a, an explanation of what it is, and you can look at some of the things that we use for uh, our kind of online gatherings, some of the videos there. And if you want to join in, uh, you can uh, join us on the Facebook page, and you can just kind of like that and uh, be as anonymous as that. That's fine. And just receive any posts or updates that way. And that's at Metal Methodist on Facebook and that's where the, the, the live streams happen as well. And they're also then streamed at the same time to YouTube at Metal Methodist and on the artist formerly known as Twitter X um, at, at Metal underscore Methodist. And you can comment on all of those and those, those comments if you want to, uh, to share those. We can put those up on, on screen and be part of the conversation. And if you want to be part of a kind of a daily conversation as well. Then there's a Facebook group, which is Metal Methodists, which is where, yeah, a place where people can share what is what is happening for them. People share some, some, some quite deep stuff, and it's a way of knowing that people are thinking of you, uh, for those who pray, praying for you, um, and, and just 
checking up and catching up and, and sharing. You know, we might have a different theme for different ways, and Kate's awesome at kind of giving us prompts to think about for the day. So we, we celebrate things to be thankful for, things that we might be struggling with that we just want to acknowledge are difficult or that we want to put down and lay down and, and kind of seek to walk away from. Um, and above all, uh, on, on, on Fridays, that is now renamed Friday, uh, just the chance to celebrate that it is the weekend and to uh, just enjoy uh, being together and, uh, yeah, celebrating a bit. Is there a specific time or story that really kind of sums up all the good that is about Metal Methodist? The first in-person Metal Methodist was was, was here at Colaston. And it was a huge leap of faith, I think, because it's so different. Um, so it was in person, but it was streamed at the same time, which meant at points during the service, I was looking about on to see who was commenting. And at one part in the service, there was a call to ask for um, for things that people wanted to share that we could we could pray about, and. One of our regular participants in Metal Methods community shared something that I wrote down on a post-it note and gave it to James. And it was so immediate that we were there together in fellowship, but somebody else in a completely different part of the country who was, who was regularly at Metal Complain during lockdown really felt part of the service enough to share something and it be fed into the service. I think that was one of the things that, that stayed with me you, you probably have other examples. Yeah, I, mean, I was I'm thinking about that and thinking it was it was the, the in-person times, not to say there's anything denigrate or kind of give less importance to online stuff as well, but I, I guess it's the chance where you get to to meet people you might have met online, but hear more of their story, which is just like a huge privilege. Um, and I think there's something about... <laughs> I don't think... It, yeah, it, there's, there's, there's a lot of... Looking about and kind of humour, I think it's not intentional most of the time. It's just kind of accidental combination of Monty Python and Wayne's World, really. Um, but <laughs> um, but but yeah, in the middle of that, somebody will just share something absolutely horrific that has happened to them, and the, the, the ability of people just to kind of feel okay sharing that and and, and moving and flexing with that. It's, it feels like a God thing. It feels like a spirit thing. And that sense of, you know, the God who, who laughs with us and is there celebrating and, and cheering us on and, and all of that. But also, you know, it's Jesus at the tomb of Lazarus who weeps. And, and all of that, that as people made in God's image, image God's children, that actually we're in that together and that God is there too. Um, and I think... For me, it's, it's, it's yeah, meeting online, but also in, in person where me, meeting people who it was kind of several generations of, of people who perhaps felt they were a bit different or made to feel a bit different through experiences at, at say, school or in, or in life for whatever reason, um, and particularly then, you know, into, into different music or particular ways of, of, of dressing but sticking to that because it's who they are and perhaps not always finding a home in church on a Sunday uh, because of that and coming to this but bringing their children who perhaps you know were equally individual in the way they were they were dressing but also 
people saying this feels, whether it's online or in person, that it just feels like a safe space for people to be fully who they are. And, you know, one person kind of saying they haven't really been out since they became a parent um, and their child uh, you know, happens to be neurodiverse, which I think we all are in, you know, it's some level and some and some way, but perhaps uh, in, in a lot of a lot of life that isn't geared up for people um, to who might struggle in, in other other forms or settings, um, but this this, this young, young young child had uh, yeah discovered a, a love of heavy metal by getting out of bed at night and going and playing kind of uh, various bits of music, and she was saying you know this this feels like a space where you know he could come and if he wants to jump around he could jump around if you want to sort of sit down and just watch and join in and, and receive what's what's happening that's fine, um, so again I think it's just that space. And when people express that, it feels like a space that you can just be um, in whatever way you need to be and whatever way you are. Um, I think kind of sums it up. And so it's, yeah, it's, it's it, I think as you were saying, Kate, it's more than just the music. <laughs> it's it's actually, that might be the, the thing initially, but it, it's something about the being together and it's the people that make it. You're talking about this, this sort of wonderful, organic, evolving faith community which have grown up over the last couple of years or so. How did your previous your journey before Metal Methodists prepare you for this this time? Um, I think, as, as James has just said, it's the music that draws people in, but then you stay for everything else. <laughs> so during the lockdown, online services, you, you, you listen to a lot of, of the music, but then it's the interaction that is so uh, meaningful and the fellowship through that interaction, um, and and now as as the um, particularly the Facebook groups developing, the, there's a fellowship all all of its own in in there, which is I, I find really really valuable because you can see people connecting. That you know people are openly saying, "I've had church experience which haven't been great, but I feel safe here," which is wonderful. Yeah, it's all the accidental past experiences, I think, for me, in terms of you inadvertently go, oh, all right, yeah, okay. <laughs> Maybe that was preparation or stuff. Nothing's, nothing's lost. So the fact that this started during you know, a pandemic uh, and during my sabbatical when you know, a lot of people were not able to take sabbaticals, so I was grateful that I was. Uh, and I think you know we're being encouraged to because it's going to create a massive backlog of like all these presbyters who've trickled off on sabbatical uh, once churches are about to be open again and there's, there's no ministers around. Where are they? Well, it's sabbatical. Right? Um, but it's the, the fact that we'd, we'd have to suddenly <laughs> suddenly go from worshiping in a church to worshiping online. And ironically, my original plan for doing sabbatical was to learn more about using multimedia in worship about creating videos. By the time we got to sabbatical, I'd had enough of making videos and doing things like that. Um, but actually, it all got used. And I think equally, the, that, that sense of not fitting in, or even the fact that I thought I was being really, really clever, um, you know, and really rebellious, going, what's the worst possible music you could listen to as a son of a vicar? I know, I should go and buy The Number of the Beast by Iron Maiden. And then going, whoa, this stuff's amazing. Um, and and then discovering that that's actually part of your faith and actually it's part of the people's faith and spirituality too and it creates a space that can bring people together and the moment where you find those people 
makes sense of the moments where you're perhaps kind of said, actually, please, please don't come to church wearing that T-shirt. Um, or that, you know, you're made to feel a bit weird or different at school or, you know, why do you always wear black? Uh, whatever it is, but just suddenly finding finding your tribe, I guess. So all those experiences end up feeding into it or being used, not in an intentional way, but in a kind of looking back and noticing, okay, yeah, there was a God thing there, actually, I think. And also there's a parallel between fandom and faith communities that generally fandom of, of, of a band. So like, particularly in sort of like slightly outside of music like metal, the, the, the sense of belonging people have as part of a, a, a concert, like watching a band, is, is a, like a huge collective. And it's replicated throughout different types of music that, that you feel a real sense of belonging. So being part of a, a, a concert is very similar to being part of a church congregation. But maybe that for some being part of a concert audience is more of a sense of a belonging than, in, than, they, than they have previously experienced in churches because they are different. So I think there's a parallel between um, like going to watch Iron Maiden and that how inclusive that is with how inclusive churches should be and how welcoming churches should be. And I think there's certainly been parallels in some of the discussions on Metal Methodists where people have said, Oh, I've been called out for wearing jeans when I've been to church. Even jeans when I've been to church, um, and how they felt like they don't—they've been made not to belong. And it's a similar thing in terms of general society. If someone's got like a I made a t-shirt on with, you know, like a like some of my t-shirts, like a zombie holding a heart, <laughs> a zombie um, holding holding a heart. Um, and how people might sort of slightly look at you know, with horror um, but you know that would be alright as coming to a metal method service that it would be you know oh yeah I went to that in fact, in fact when I wore my maiden shirt when we did the in person service here somebody else in the congregation went oh I went to that tour <laughs> <laughs> so it's like uh, it's like uh, it's just an interesting collective situation where it's combining church and music so is is that what keeps you involved and keeps wanting you to do more i think it's now the fellowship and thinking about potential for people to come to the fellowship that i'm really interested in you know i'm seeing the conversations online and i'm seeing how people really want to contribute and I think that's really important it's it's like it's uh, a little fledging community all its own and I think I think it's got real potential to bring people who perhaps do feel they're excluded in other church settings to something that where they belong it is it's it, it's the people it's the fellowship it's the this isn't another plea from the sabbatical by the way but it's, it's the more I kind of reflect on it with sort of vicar hat on particularly within, within Methodism and this is not me, so this is, was, was Pete Phillips, who was uh, previously kind of involved with St. John's in, in, in Durham and training people for, for ministry, but kind of talking to him and, and, and you know, him, him saying actually there's something, whether it's heavy metal, whether it's music, uh, and almost any, any whatever passions that we have that kind of where we connect faith and life, 
together, but there's something Methodist in that because that's what Methodists did, you know, the kind of uh, Anglicans were down because they went to church carrying their Bibles, the Methodists went to church in spot because of kind of their hymn books. And and it was expressing faith through words and music, and that's kind of the metal thing there. But also I think then the thing in Methodism of of yeah, we, you know, reading the Bible, looking at um, you know, how the the church has understood a particular bit of the Bible or a response to questions in terms of of life, and but then also our own experience of God. And it's that shared experience through sharing online or, or when we meet in person that actually there's yeah, it's not one person going, Oh, this is oh, this is what the Bible says or or, or this is what we should think about it. It's actually that sharing our own experience, our own questions, our own doubts, and learning from each other and discovering God speaking to us in that and, and kind of, yeah, enabling that to, to, to happen more, I guess. Has being part of Metal, metal Methodist, has that changed your own faith? So in, in terms of um, some of the Bible study stuff, so um, James uses the Metal Bible, the Bible, what is metal? Even though it's made of paper. Yeah. It's interesting how... We were, we were saying earlier that obviously looking, thinking about Bible um, readings during service, it, it can be um, just moments and, and, and your thoughts gone, you know, like you might get the person delivering the services thoughts about a Bible reading, but d- during worship it's, it's sort of fleeting. But sometimes during metal compline, we'd be commenting on a Bible reading and you know, bouncing off each other in terms of what what we think, and you know, it, it's it's very deep. So, in terms of that interaction, I've I've found that very enriching in terms of faith. What Kate said. <laughs> um, yeah, has my faith changed or evolved? Yeah, I think on a got me upset. On a on a selfish and personal level, I think it's it's been. There's been an element of, 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 of healing in terms of a, a place and space to be who you are and to realise that God does look like searching through that, um, let alone actually my um, kind of work through it as well. So that's been, yeah, one aspect to it. Um, sorry. Okay, a very emotional, yeah. very raw, very personal subject that we're talking through. And mm. um, I guess, yeah. So I, I, I guess, not necessarily evolved, but but kind of gone deeper in terms of faith, in terms of that sense of God being everywhere and and ahead of us, and just the conversations that you have with people and hearing their stories, and, and just being able to celebrate with them. Who, who they are in God, and and not in, yeah, of course, big word that we're going to be like prophetic, but in an affirming kind of saying, but that's that's God, that's because you're awesome. Um, it's it's that, um, and I think yeah, again, that sense of you you think you are offering something, um, and actually you're the person who ends up receiving it, and so have this experience that. Um, when we did another in-person session at Free Generate, which is the the gathering for children and young people within the Methodist Church, 
And the theme was, or the Bible reading the use of the theme was the feeding of the 5,000 and the idea being that, you know, there were, well, it says in the Bible, in the Bible, what is metal, the metal Bible, so metal is made of paper, that actually, you know, 5,000 men and women, uh, men, it says in one, you know, were fed, but it doesn't mention all the women or all the children who were there. So goodness knows how many people, that's how many people were made room for. That's how many, that's how big God's love and God's kingdom is. And there's enough from whatever people were able to, to, to offer from that. There's enough for everybody. So much so there's enough left over. And, you know, we kind of talked about that perhaps being like being a download or a music festival like Greenbelt or somewhere where you have this, this cable saying it's kind of shared transcendental experience with other people. And, and maybe that's kind of what kingdom of God is like and what being part of God's family is like and what worship can be like um, and so you know we bought some I thought a bit dodgy taking um, you know actual fish to, to give out to people plus I'm not very good at miracles so kind of getting enough for 200 people from five three fish two fish how many fish it is I should read the metal bible I can't remember <laughs> how many fish it is um, and, and some loads of bread so we had some Swedish fish other nationalities of fish are available and uh, we had some gummy roll burger things, <laughs> that kind of bread and fish, and chuck those out, and that the example of it, and yeah, gave them all away. That was the point. And then towards the end of it, this young lad, uh, and again, it's a you know it's the metal thing, and he said on the program, this might be loud. Um, ear defenders are available, and he got his ear defenders on, and he came up and just gave him back some fish and some bread and I'm going I've just met Jesus that was you know I thought they're ministering to people actually no he's there ministering to me and that is the beautiful thing and that is God and that is the kingdom of God and I think that is what it's all about I think what it shows is that it's of God but that God is not just one thing or what what we think they are and also Methodists aren't just one thing and what we think they might be. So it, it's it's not about people who go to church on a Sunday or or go to a, one single church on a Sunday. It's about thinking, right, okay, what does it actually mean to be a Methodist? Doesn't necessarily mean that we're baptized as a Methodist. It doesn't doesn't mean that we go to a Methodist church. It's how we can embrace fellowship it's how we can um it's almost like the equivalent of preaching in the marketplace um like you know having an, on, an online service you know that that you are where people are <laughs> it's like wesley's standing in paradise square in sheffield where the people were james is on facebook and that's where the people are <laughs> uh, and saying we recognize that as a person of faith you are not just one thing you 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 can like heavy metal you can feel different you can be whoever you are and and you are in God's image God made God made that you know God made you different and and that's why you are loved is there a particular bible verse that speaks to you Kate my all-time <laughs> favorite complex uh think about all the time is um is uh, Martha and Mary <laughs> Because it speaks so much of Methodism, because I think all Methodists are are fundamentally Marthas. <laughs> they are they are the doers, they are the 
put your hand up, volunteers, and that's a very uh, prevalent issue for a lot of congregations at the moment, that the, the Marthas then the people who have got time and uh, capacity to put their hands up and do all sorts of things in church buildings and uh, church structures is, is, is different. And, you know, there's also the Mary at Jesus' feet and, and how, how as, as, as Christians, we, we still need to be mindful of that. But I always think there's the third more profound thing is that in between all the spaces, in between the space of Jesus, Mary and Martha, God is there. And it is that 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 is fundamental for me because I recognise I'm a Martha. You know, I struggle to be a Mary because, you know, there's an awareness as someone who's altruistic of that everything that needs to be done, <laughs> you know, on, on all sorts of levels. It's from the making sure the main hall floor's clean before the yoga class to storm damage to pastoral stuff to setting out church Sunday worship there's all that stuff and then there's the the Mary bit where you're in a church trying to focus and be grounded enough to listen but in between all the spaces all our Maryness and all our Marthaness and all our listening to Jesus there is God in the space so yeah I think about that a lot <laughs> <laughs> So what's next for the Metal Methodists? Who knows what's next for the Methodists, <laughs> I think. Uh, God does, actually. Um, I think part of the next steps are to try and uh, offer opportunities to to meet on-site as well as online and to continue to grow, I think, the, the sort of the group aspect and that, and that sharing and kind of the ups and downs of daily life and trying to kind of follow Jesus in all of that. And yeah, I still think there's a there's, there's a bit of wanting to kind of fly the flag uh, for church, maybe not just the Methodist Church, but um, you know you're saying Kate was saying about John Wesley going and preaching fields, and I think in his journal he talks about whatever day it was. I, I committed to be more vile. I don't know if John Wesley spoke like that, but just now. And, uh, you know, because it was just, you know, it was terribly, kind of, you know, how preaching happens in the church. How dare you go and preach outside the church, let alone in the field, to these kind of weeks? Because, um, you know, back in the day where you had to have enough money to have your name on the pew for you to sit in, in the church. Um, and it's kind of, you know, heavy metal, like you talk, Ken talked about T-shirts with grim stuff on. And go, oh, that's disgusting, that's vile. And it kind of feels like, what does it, what does it mean to be more vile? Um, what does that mean today? Um, not, not in a deliberately shock horror kind of way, but where are those gaps between the gaps? And where are those people that feel they're in the gaps between the gaps that actually, you know, are quietly trying to live and to love and are making the world a better place by who they are and what they do? And, and how can we join in and recognise and celebrate and support? I've got a vision that there's a metal Methodist presence that some of the massive rock festivals like Download and Bloodstock and stuff like that. I mean, or Glastonbury, you know, all all that sort of where people are <laughs> stuff. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yes, look forward to that. We've spoken about this amazing journey and this community which is forming and it's and it's so encouraging for our listeners to hear what is what what God is doing. 
Has it always been straightforward and a breeze and a perfect outward path? Uh, no, <laughs> it has not always been straightforward. Um, I think, uh, I guess, part of how my faith has has evolved. Uh, maybe that's being a bit less cowardly, um, or or learning what it is to try and stick to perhaps what you feel God might be saying, or at least trying to have a go whilst. You know, still being willing to listen to voices of wisdom going, no, <laughs> no, that is not what God is saying. Um, but but uh, yeah, I think you know, being being a uh, as a presbyter and working with local churches, um, you know, doing something that is online, particularly as you know, post COVID, perhaps there's less online from it from a church perspective. Um, although yeah, there's lots and lots of people doing very innovative things um, in, in in that space. Um, but you know, do, doing stuff in that space, you're then not doing stuff in your local community space, for example. And so balancing that, and some people kind of questioning, well, is that a good use of um, you know our minister's time? Um, that'd be one perspective, and and I'm trying to balance that with you know uh, that moment where you are online or at a festival or meeting with people and the. Wesley's saying that the world is my parish. Uh, and actually, through some of the online space and the connections with people in, that we'll probably never meet, but in, in other parts of the world who connect in some way, was being part of that parish together. Um, and I think, yeah, some of the challenge or difficulty has been, I think, I think we might have invented uh, heavy metal apologetics. So the kind of tradition in the church of... Uh, not, not apologising for, but trying to explain and to justify uh, a particular faith perspective uh, and to explain it uh, to people who might find it completely confusing, bamboozling and even abhorrent. And so, yeah, kind of wearing T-shirts that uh, don't look, may not look particularly nice or using things that are... Have, have sort of dark, darker language or, or imagery to it. Um, you know, for some people, I think because you know we're taught that Jesus is the light of the world, so therefore anything dark is is therefore you know not good, not of Jesus. And for some people, not the devil or whatever that is. And and so kind of speaking into that space and, and taking some of those questions and criticisms and critiques and trying to engage with that is 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 interesting. I mean, it's said fun, it's not fun. Uh, but it's interesting, but that's how my faith has evolved because I've had to think about, well, why, you know, why why is this? And so I think the thing that underpins it for me that I came back from my sabbatical with is Psalm 139, where it talks about, you know, where, where can we go where God isn't? Um, and actually, there's nowhere. Even darkness is as, is as light to you, it says God. Um, and that has been my experience that actually what people might have perceived as you know, dark or actually when you start to engage and explore, actually there's some profound light and spirituality there. Um, I remember when we played the in-person gathering, we played War Pigs by uh, Black Sabbath uh, on Remembrance Sunday. So I fulfilled one of my lifelong ambitions of playing what is one of the world's best uh, anti-war songs in a church setting on Remembrance, near Remembrance Sunday. But you have to do some real explaining that, you know, because it's by Black Sabbath and, you know, we all read about Aussie back in the heads off bats uh, in the in the 80s or whatever. And, but actually, it's you know, War Pigs is an anti-Vietnam song. So just trying to engage with 
heavy metal, not just the Christian heavy metal stuff, um, which again, you know, for some Christians, those two things can't go together. And if you are into heavy metal, then the whole point is that it's not about Jesus. So how very dare you? Um, so you kind of get it from both sides, really. But, you know, trying to engage with some of, of heavy metal music and culture on its own terms and either find when you engage with it, it's, it's not what you think it is. Actually, it is accepting and it is challenging the same things we want to challenge as church and as people of faith. And it is about justice and it is about inclusion. Um, yeah, so I think some of those challenges, but actually they are deepening and enriching experiences um, when you do. It's that Vincent Donovan stuff, isn't it? It, it it's, it's not going and taking our version of church and imposing it on, but it's actually going and walking with a community and then seeing that it leads us to something that neither of us truly understood before. Yeah, yeah, definitely. If this story has connected with anybody listening today, if they're looking to feel like they've got their place to belong, what kind of advice would you give somebody, you know, sat in their bedroom or, you know, maybe somebody who has maybe had a faith all their life but has always felt like there's just that little bit that makes them sit on the edge? Whoever you are, I think hear that you are amazing and you are a child of God. I think there's a line in a song by a band called Pantocrator, who are Swedish death metal, uh, talks about, uh, you know, we are custodians of God, that whoever you are, you are a custodian of God. And actually, the thing that makes, the thing that sets your soul on fire and just makes you feel hope and, and that thing that, yeah, fires your passions and your soul with it football or you know but whatever it is you know that thing that that spark in you you know that spark is there and maybe that sparks from from god and you know you are not the only person with that spark and so how might you connect with other people in in, in, in that way um, particularly if you are perhaps a person of faith but have not kind of felt quite within um existing existing church maybe there are other people like you with those same passions and interests and same feelings of being on the edge and, and, and how might you bring other people like you together um yeah can you uh, please remind our listeners how they're able to get in contact with you how can they find you we're online at metalmethodist.org.uk on facebook the page is metal methodist and if you want to join our facebook group it's metal methodists plural is there anyone else's contribution to metal methodist that we ought to give thanks for or Yes, the youth president. Yes. The president. Yeah, so I think it started online and the preceding youth president, James Carver, uh, kind of was during his year of, of being youth president, wanted to explore um, or shine a light on uh, different ways of being church, again, looking at the diversity of expressions of worship, but also how church can be accessible. Uh, whether it's physically accessible in terms of uh, neurodiversity or all of those, sexuality, um, and so highlighted a few different examples, one of which was Metal Methodist. And so him wanting to come and experience it was the reason we had an on-site gathering uh, as well as an online one, because, yeah, <laughs> we had nothing to invite him to. So, yeah, uh, yeah, so thank you, James. Um, but I, I think, you know, equally... You know, it was it was during lockdown that I started it, and it was you know wanting to offer something uh, as part of my sabbatical experience. 
However, you know, there was a bit of me that, you know, um, perhaps the wise bit of me would have checked out with district colleagues first if this was all right to do. <sighs> but I think having, you know, begun it and, and be thinking, ooh, is this, is, is this all right? Is this okay for me to be doing this? Uh, but so support from uh, circuit and district colleagues, uh, both in terms of chances to, to talk about it, um, and uh, but you know equally just places to uh, particularly near as well just a place to to sound together and to and to share ideas and to again if part of starting with this was a very personal need to be accountable for a regular prayer discipline during lockdown and on sabbatical uh, the chance to do that with 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 people like Neil and, and others to say well you know how are things going where are things going what might God be saying. Um, it's, it's really appreciated. It's been a wonderful conversation and a real inspiration to hear how you've taken your own experiences and, and what it means to belong and what it means to not fit in and have started to think about it and develop what it means for church to engage with people on their own terms and to to, to present the stories of, of faith to to people in a way that makes sense and unpacks and, and reassembles what we call church in a way that makes sense for them. Do get in touch if you're starting to think about it, about any type of culture or community that you're part of. Well, actually, what does God mean for those people in a way that's taking God into that space rather than asking people to put things down, part of what's part of them, um, to come into a church that's already constructed. Do get in touch and we can, I'd love to explore and, and talk with you what that might mean in that context as well. If this story has connected with your story and you'd like to talk to someone maybe about different styles of worship, different ways you can be involved, or just anything that you've heard today that maybe makes you question about kind of where you belong and you're wanting to find that home then do please get in touch. You can find us online by searching Sheffield Methodist District online. Or if your calling you feel is to do with uh, the Metal Methodist, then do please get in contact with James and Kate. Can we pray for the two of you and your work? Lord God, who leads us on a journey, uh, we thank you for the, the journey of this conversation. We... Thank you for the way that you've revealed yourself to James and to Kate and for all of the people who have, have shaped their journey away, uh, even, even for Nietzsche and the questions he's posed and the challenges that, that that led James to, as we spoke about earlier on. We thank you for all of the work of the Metal Methodists for a place where people can be included, people can know in a language that makes sense to them and a culture that they feel comfortable in, uh, that you accept people as they are and you made them as they are and you call them by name. We thank you for all the metal Methodists are doing and we pray for anyone who is out there and listening to this and wondering how to make sense of all this and wondering if God really does love them as the person that they are who maybe doesn't fit in because of the way they dress or the music they listen to or the language that they use. We pray that 
you would put them in touch with the person who can offer that reassurance and can point them to know about you more. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of Faith, Hope and the Journey. Find out more about our podcast on our website, sheffieldmethodist.org forward slash podcast. This episode was edited by Matt Collins of MC Online Events. And the music is Summer Adventures by Sergei Pavkin from Pixabay. <laughs>